welcome to episode 109 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Angela Gargano. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Angela Gargano. Angela, thanks for being here. What a weekend it was. We got to meet at the Raise the Bar event and we're both feeding off energy from that event, I think. I don't know that we've had a good sleep since, but uh, I appreciate you being here and making the time for us today. Yeah, I'm excited to chat more. It was uh, it was actually very lucky. So just to provide a little context, Andrew Coates, who is the the master connector, as we all learned this weekend, <laughs> introduced us a couple months ago, and then we had scheduled this podcast for for today. It's February the 28th, and uh, Angela and I both, you know, we met just by chance. We happened to sit beside each other on the first day of the conference. So like, what a you know, just a way to to connect with people. And the best part of fitness is actually just you know sharing it with other people. So here we go, and we get to we get to get through it. So. Angela, just for anyone who happens to not know you, uh, how do you describe yourself? Who are you and what, do, what, is that, what is it that you do? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough. I feel like every time I introduce myself, I say I'm a four-time, going to be five-time American Ninja Warrior. I'm also the creator of Pull-Up Revolution, which has helped over 500 women conquer their first pull-up, which is very exciting. Um, I also am a content creator, speaker, so a little mix of everything. It all kind of started with one thing and then evolved into all of that as we have gone. I'm not sure that there are many things that are cooler than saying that you're an, a ninja warrior. <laughs> that's a, it's got to be one of the coolest like titles. They're like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a ninja warrior. Oh, okay. That's just a <laughs> thing that we do in, in 2023. It's normal. <laughs> when is the next event? It's coming up soon, right? Yeah, it's actually uh, March 31st. I'm actually competing, so I'm flying down to LA on the 29th, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> what does your training look like for that? Because it's it's a super cool event, but it's so nonspecific that like, how do you actually train for it? What does it look like? Yeah, back. I mean, back in the earlier days of me training, I was definitely in the ninja gym a lot. But as I've gotten older, I've really just been focusing on, you know, making sure that I'm keeping myself healthy. So a lot of like shoulder mobility and shoulder um, activation stuff to make sure I keep myself healthy in that sense. Um, but basically, you want to just make sure that you're really set for like big, really big lache mood moves and catching. Um, catching objects, basically. Um, you want to make sure that you have a lot of fast feet, so a lot of agility work um, and stuff like that. Um, and you want to be able to make sure that you can go up the wall. Those are the things that you know about you know about already. So you don't know what any of the other obstacles are going to be. And just making sure that you have some grip strength and things along those lines. So I kind of like mix up my training right now. I'm only going to the ninja gym once a week, uh, but everything else is training to make sure that my body stays healthy and that uh, they can do the moves. Yeah, that's got to be one of the biggest things. And because it's so dynamic and so like so random, almost injuries are for sure a huge part of it. Like I know for me, yeah. I would be highly likely to, to get injured just based on my my history. But um, it, it is quite like an impressive event where you don't know what's going on. And so you have to train for all these things. But being generally strong is uh, is a huge part of it. Um now, how's the lead up? How does the event actually work? So is it just a one off thing or is it there's like a heats and then it goes up or how does it actually work? Yeah, it's actually very different from what people would most most think. Um, you actually we do it overnight because if you see the scene behind, it's all dark. So it has to be yeah. done. It's like overnight type situation. So we normally get to set at like 7 p.m. or so. The sun goes down. As soon as the sun's down, then we'll start competing. We have to go through all the obstacles with the person first. They tell us the rules of them. And then we have to like raise our hand and say like we understand and comply with the rules. So it would take us through each of them. That's when we finally know what the obstacles are, are like in that moment. And then within an hour or two, everyone's running the course. And 
Um, you really don't know when you're going to go up. There could be issues with the obstacles. We don't know. Um, but the first night, it's basically who can make it the furthest and the fastest. And then the top 30 move on to uh, semis, which we, they literally just do the next day. So on TV, you might see that it looks like it happens a week later. It literally happens the next day. Um, and I guess this year they're doing some changes. Actually, I don't even know. Am I allowed to talk about the changes? I guess I shouldn't say anything yet because I haven't read the paperwork. But they're making some changes <laughs> yeah. for semis this year, which, are, which is super interesting and fun. Um, and, that, and then if you make it to the top 15 there, then you can make it to Las Vegas, which is where you'll go to the more intense courses. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I never really noticed that it's at it's like at night, but I guess it's, pr- it's probably like a filming thing during the day would be hard. Like TV cameras would be harder with weather and stuff like that. So that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. How did you get into this? Cause it's one of those things that, you know, people see this on TV. I've watched American Ninja Warrior on TV, you know, tons of times. And it's like, Oh, that, that looks like it would be cool to do. And you, th- you never think about like, Oh, I would actually do that. Like, how did you get into that? How was it a thing that you decided like, Oh, I'm actually going to like apply for this and like get into it. For me, I like to call myself the accidental ninja. <laughs> Because I, my friend was trying out for it and I knew nothing about it. I don't even watch TV really like ever. And, um, so she was trying out for it. I was helping her make her submission video because you have to make a video about yourself and things along those lines. And then my friend was like, you were a college gymnast. This would be perfect for you. Like, why aren't you trying out? And for me, I didn't want to step on this person's toes. So I'm like, I'm not going to try out too. Like I'm helping her. And then he basically forced me to put a video in and I just didn't think about it. I forgot about it for a couple months and then I got a call and it was literally like, you've been accepted to American Ninja Warrior. And I was like, oh my God. And they were like, you have to come in two weeks. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So I had to learn to ninja essentially in two weeks. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And then once I did it once, I was like, this is so fun and such a great sport and community. So I wanted to do more of it. And now I've been kind of going after it ever since. Has the community around it grown? Like you mentioned that you go to a a ninja gym. Now it's obviously not a a beginner shouldn't be going through ninja courses. Someone who's never worked out before is probably not the best way to start working out. But has there become a good community around it of people who are aspiring to do this a little bit more seriously? Yeah, there's an amazing community. What's so cool about it is it's all ages, right? So I might be training in a facility where I'm training with 16-year-olds and I'm also training with like 50-year-olds and we're all just there for one reason. And it's cool. I feel like that really brings everybody together. Um, I also feel like I wouldn't necessarily say that like nobody, depending on your fitness level, should do ninja. I feel like you can go in and just start off by hanging on the bar and just messing around with a few obstacles and actually can be super rewarding and fun and a a different way to work out. Because for me, when I went into an actual gym after I was doing college gymnastics, I was like, this is awful. Like, I hated it. (laughs) It was so boring. I still think it's boring when I go to the gym, honestly. I know I'm a trainer, but it's boring. Like, I don't like going in there. It's awkward. You're in there. You feel like people are looking at you. You have your little thing. You're kind of in your mode. So I feel kind of weird when I'm in an actual gym. I like being more in the ninja gyms, honestly. No, that's actually a very fair point. And I think it speaks to that there's not a single way to work out. If you don't like strength training, you don't like spin class or you don't like yoga, like whatever, do your, like find the thing that, that kind of works for you. Right. And that, and it's one of those things where it's, you're doing something that is very obvious to understand what you're doing versus, okay, I'm just going to do three reps of, or three sets of 10 squats. Like to someone who's never worked out before, that sounds like, well, what the fuck? Like, what are we, why would I do that? Like, okay, go climb this wall and go across the monkey bars or whatever. Like that sounds like, oh yeah, I can see how that's like physical. Like that makes sense. All right, let's do it. Right. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. Now now building off that. And I feel like I'm talking super fast because I know that we don't have uh, (laughs) a ton of time today, but building off that you're, you're very well known for 
pull-ups. And so what this, the way that I'm trying to, you know, segue this is like Ninja Warrior is about being able to do something and that feeling of empowerment that you can actually accomplish that task, climb the wall, jump over the thing, jump across the bridge, whatever it is. So what, what was like your experience like trying to train people to do pull-ups and how did you come to this, like to be the thing that you want to be known for? Obviously doing gymnastics pull-ups were not like a thing. You probably something you could always do, but then at what point did that flip switch that switch flip for you where it's like, Oh, I need to get other people to do pull-ups and mainly women. I honestly just feel like, so I, I obviously was, you know, doing Ninja Warrior and then I actually was owning a gym at the time. And a lot of my clients would come up to me and be like, I just want to be able to do a pull-up like this. The first, I mean, people say that to me now, like they're like, Oh, you're a ninja. I just wanted to do a pull-up. It just kept coming up like over and over again. So I was like, why? Like, let's do a pull-up then. Let's get it. Like, what, what's holding me back? They'd always be like, oh, I'm too old. Like, I couldn't even do it in gym class. Like, how am I going to be able to do it now? I'm 40 years old. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, that's just an opportunity. Why not? Let's, like, get it. So um, I started helping people more in person first. And then I had the challenge of trying to help uh, Liz Plosser, who is the editor-in-chief of Women's Health Magazine. She needed to get um, a pull-up. Well, wanted to get a pull up in basically like 14 days. And I was like, all right, like we can make it happen if you, you know, put the time and the work in. It's not just going to be a thing that's happening like just with me, like one on one. You need to do some stuff outside. Like I'm going to give you a bunch of tasks that you need to complete that. And what was super cool is like when she finally got it and when everybody finally got their pull up that I've worked with, it's just this really big confidence boost that I saw with them. They did this impossible thing that is now possible. And what else I saw from after that is what I really loved about it. So I went online and I was looking and I was just trying to see what kind of programs are out there with pull-ups. And I realized that every single one of them is ridiculously intimidating and they also don't really work that well. Like you'll see the same like five movements for pull-ups in like basically every article you go to. But the reality is like those don't fully work. So they'll be like, use the assisted band. Okay, cool. That actually doesn't fully work. Okay, do these eccentrics. <laughs> that's really hard for people to do. They'll jump up on the bar and just fall down. Like it's not, it's that's intimidating now and scary. So I wanted to break it down in a much easier way for them so that they can come in, have fun with it. Um, and yeah, I just started the process of, I called it pull-up revolution because I wanted people to revolutionize the way they felt about their body and make it be so much more than just like, bikini body and this, I want it to be, let's get a skill. Let's conquer a skill. That's going to transform your mind and your body. You're going to look 10 times better because you've got this pull up. So I feel like it really evolved from those situations. Again, of me helping someone get their pull up, seeing the confidence they had going online, seeing that there is literally nothing out there that was not intimidating. And that was from a female also, like a non-intimidating female that's going to like make it kind of fun and like, come on in, like you can do this with me <laughs> instead of like a macho-y guy who's like, let's do pull-ups. It's like, okay, cool. Easy for you to say, bro. Um, So I feel like that's part of the reason that I stuck with it. And it makes me stand out as a coach, you know, like that's what people come in to get. And then they wound up staying with me for so many other things. And what I find in this industry is obviously it's really hard to figure out what trainer you want to train with because there's just so many trainers out there. And there's a lot of really great trainers out there. So why not be the trainer that you come in to get your pull up with? And that's what makes me stand apart from a lot of other people. If somebody wants to go and do like heavy lifting and like power lifting and stuff like that, there's another coach that's really great for them. But for me, it's like, you're going to come to me if you're going to do a pull up. And that makes things a lot clearer so that people know exactly what they're coming into. Right. It also positions you as an expert in that thing. If you're really good at 
getting people to be able to do a pull up, then chances are you're also pretty good at teaching people how to squat and teaching people how to do like all the other basic things that someone might want to do. Now you might not be an Olympic level powerlifting coach or, or Olympic lifting coach. And that's a totally different thing, but for regular people, then, you know, pull up squats and all the stuff is, is, is good. But I totally agree with you that the most empowering thing that I've seen people like the, the thing that lights people up the most is when they get their first pull-up because it seems like they, they try and do it the first time. Even this happened to be just yesterday. One of my clients, she's been training with me for like a few months now. And when she started training, she couldn't even like do a dead hang for like, for like zero seconds. That was her dead hang. Couldn't hold from the bar. And she was able to hang onto the bar for 30 seconds. And so like we're working up, you know, towards getting a pull-up and all this stuff, but she's able to hang on to the bar for 30 seconds. And so people don't realize how difficult getting a pull-up is, but at the same time, it's not impossible. Like it doesn't, it's not these like macho man, ninja warriors. It's not like a reserved thing for the elite of the elite. Everyone can do it. You just got to know what the steps are to do it. So having and said when you that, break it, it that, when you break, yeah, when you break it up into those little steps, like you just said, it's like, that's the biggest piece about it. Like you just started off with like saying like, you just need to be able to hang. Like that's the first step. If you can hang, like there we go. You, you can totally do a pull up. So having that, like we were talking about this weekend with those, those wins that we're trying to get our clients. It's like, get the client to just hang on the bar and get excited about it first before you're like, get all the way up to the top. Like, is that's intimidating? Exactly. I was just going to say, we got to break it down into steps. And so what, what is your typical, like step one, say someone comes in, can't even hang on the bar. How do you get the person from that to, to being able to do a pull up? What's step one? Yeah, absolutely. So Obviously, the first step is hanging on the bar. But what's really cool is I've broken down the pull-up into different phases. And I've created this like as I've just been doing this with clients. So there's eight phases that I created. And basically, the goal is never to go from phase one to phase two. It's always to go... Oh, sorry, phase one to phase like eight. It's good from to go from phase one to phase two. So you're celebrating the small win of like getting a bend in the elbow or a small win of like getting halfway there instead. So it allows me to visually see that we're breaking it up into smaller pieces. So let's say they, they do come in and they're stuck all the way at the bottom we actually like make it really funny we, we play that song sada from the bottom now we hear it um so we like put that on and and basically what we tell them is we're going to work on that bottom piece of the pull-up which is going to be the most important piece of the pull-up right because what happens is the pull-up assisted band flings you up at that piece so you're not actually ever getting stronger from it so what actually happens is you go on the pull-up assisted band they're a great tool so i don't want to say don't use bands they're just they're just they're a good tool but they fling you up at that hardest piece so then when you get rid of the band, you get frustrated because you can't do it. So what we do is we, we focus on the smaller bottom piece of the pull-up. So we're starting on hanging. You know, how long can you hang? We're doing the hanging shoulder shrugs. We're then doing hanging shoulder shrugs with light assistance where you do a hanging shoulder shrug to a fourth pull-up, which is the slight bend in your elbow. So we're really working on that bottom piece of the pull-up. And then again, their goal becomes more targeted as I'm just trying to get the slight bend. I'm not trying to get all the way up right now. I'm literally trying to strengthen that bottom piece of the pull-up. So we work on that. We also then work on them just attempting the pull-up. Like the best way to get a pull-up is to do the pull-up, like even when you suck. So like jump up, just attempt it always and make them do a lot of attempts. We're doing a lot of core work and glute work because the pull-up is a full body movement. It is not just um, it is not just uh, an upper body movement. And another thing that's really helpful is we always test people's shoulder mobility because when you come in to do your pull-up, the pull-up is an overhead movement. And a lot of us don't put our hands over our head most of the time. So you might test your overhead range of motion and only have your arm to here. And what I mean by, um, if anyone's listening, they don't understand what, what I'm meaning by this, but Overhead mobility means you can get your arms up 
but then you can function there, right? So you might be able to have the flexibility to get them to a certain point, but then you're like, oh my God, like no chance I'm freaking doing any kind of movement. So we test their shoulder mobility. And by doing this, it allows us to say, okay, cool. If they can't get all the way up with their shoulder mobility and it's hard for them to work in the area, no big deal. We're just going to work on these certain moves to help improve that because that is going to allow you to get your pull-up faster. I've had some people come in, literally just work on shoulder mobility drills, barely do any pull-ups, and then go up and do a pull-up because they literally just did those small little things. So it's really interesting how if you break it down and do some basic stuff that you can actually get your pull-up with like actually never even attempting the pull-up. Um so that was probably a lot, but um, we, again, break it into that for that. If the person starts in like halfway there, we have a whole other programming system for them. And then if someone already has their pull-up, but like they're using their shoulders more than their lats, which is very common, then we have a whole other process for them. So they can pick the program, which is going to best suit wherever they're at right now. Definitely a lot there, but a lot of good stuff there. So mm-hmm. let's let's go back to, to talking about the band thing, because I think that that's probably... The, mo- the thing that I see most in gyms where people are trying to get pull-ups and they just like, they step on the band, which, which <laughs> I'm going to rant a little bit here, but people who step on the band bugs me to no end because one, it's stretching the band even more. So making it like even more easy than if you put it in your knee. And then also, I don't know about you, I've seen so many people put the band on their feet. It r- inevitably rolls up, snaps them, hits it in the face. Like, oh, <laughs> this sucks. Like, yeah, don't put the band on your foot. So like put the band on your knee if you must use the band. But, um to explain to people more like the, when the band is more stretched, that's when it's going to propel you up the most, right? Any, like a rubber band, like, people, a, like a, exactly. Like when you pull it apart band. and it hurts, it's, it like hits your hand really hard. <laughs> that's what I think of. Yeah, exactly. Like when in elementary school, we used to like put them on people's like arm and snap them. And give, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then when you, so when you go up to do a pull up, you think about hanging for the bar, always getting your shoulders down. Like that first part is the hardest. A lot of people are more able to, jump up to the top and even do like a quarter pull-up starting from the top. You can, you see people doing these little, little, little mini pull-ups and think that they're doing pull-ups, but that's a different thing. So instead of using, um, the band, the other, the other thing that I liked, the only thing that I like to use, and I want to get your thoughts on this with the band more is like, it gets people to understand what the feeling is. So once they've gone through a few like beginner steps and they kind of understand how to hang and understand their shoulder positioning, then using the band to get them all the way up and just be like, okay, that's what it's supposed to feel like. And now let's take that away. And so it's like a, it's like creating that win as if they've done it, but they know what to feel like. And so they know what to chase for. Do you, do you kind of uh, agree with that? Yeah, we still use the assisted band. We just get our off of it more. It's, it's less of like, I feel like again, people only use the assisted band to try and get their pull up. And like, they're just like, if I just take them away and keep going, I'm going to get it. And like, mm, like not necessarily the best way, but yeah, using them for, for wins is definitely good. Or we, we always will be like, okay, let's max out your assisted band pull up. And then your goal is to get one more than next time. Um, we also do a bunch of stuff where I make them actually do like shrug pull up. So they have to shrug at the bottom and like force yourself to actually use the bottom part mm. um, before you go up. So I feel like that's been super helpful. But yeah, I do. Again, I, I don't want to be like, it's like kind of like we were talking about this weekend with like using the things like don't ever use them. It's like they're a great <laughs> tool, but they're probably not going to get you to your pull up if you're just using those. Yeah. But if you say that on Instagram, then nobody will pay attention to it. So you have to be extreme to get attention. So (laughs) (laughs) don't use them ever. Never use this. But actually not really, but actually kind of, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Never use this. Read the caption for real information. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Um, what, uh, on that note, then, what do you think about, or how do you feel about the assisted machine? Because the the like the resistance profile of it is different. It's not it's consistent all the way through. Do you use that more? Not many gyms have it, so that's like a programming issue. But do you feel the same about it as the band? I think it does the same thing. I don't think that it really like helps that much. So I wouldn't use it, and it, it gets confused people. Again, great tool, use it, like, but just not not what's going to get you there, you know, faster. Right. Agreed. So then on the more advanced side of, of the pull-ups, say someone who, who they're, they, they're able to do a pull-up, they're able to do a few, and they're wanting to be able to do 10. They can do three. They want to be able to do 10. What's your framework for getting more pull-ups? And it's more about muscular endurance and maybe strength more, but how do you go about coaching that? So we have some fun with it. So I always have them like doing towel pull-ups or weighted pull-ups now so that they can increase their endurance with that. Um, I also still have them work on that bottom piece because a lot of times they can't get to the next one because they can't connect it. So it's like, let's work on that still. It's still the shrug. So it's like so interesting, right? You start at the beginning, which you're working on that shrug to a fourth, like slight bend. And then when you get towards the end and even multiple, you're working on that same thing because it's like, okay, cool. Now can I, can I connect it? So you still need to be strong in that area so that you can pull yourself up from that initial piece. But yeah, so I mix it up with all those different, um, with all those different drills. But yeah, the towel pull-ups are really fun. The weighted pull-ups help a ton or weighted eccentrics now as you're getting better. So adding a little extra and then taking that away later on um, will help build up that endurance. And it's still, it's still reps. It's still like, you got to just go do it. You got to continue to do it without any kind of band or any kind of help and just see if you can get yourself a little bit further each time. A lot of times with the initial and with multiple pull-ups, it's a mental thing. It's like your brain, you can actually do it. You just got to get your brain to be like, I can do it. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is definitely a thing that I've seen as well. And sometimes you know, sometimes you're just having a good day and it's like, oh, you know, pull-ups weren't in the program today, but like you're having a good day. Like, let's do it. Because if you get over that first one and you get it on your best day ever, then it'll be way easier to to get it the next day or the next time when you're supposed to be doing pull-ups. So I think that the confidence piece of it is huge because it feels kind of, it feels kind of scary almost if you can't really do it and you're kind of hanging there like, oh, I'm supposed to be here, but my feet are not on the ground. I'm not touching the ground. Similar to like a squat when you put a really heavy barbell on your back, you're like, well, okay, like if I mess this up, I'm going to get crushed. There's that little element of fear, but if you get over it, then it helps you to just allow yourself to be able to do it and kind of get over the fear of it. Do you find that a lot as well? For sure. I make people do things called drive-bys. So if the bar's in their house, like mine's like right in my bedroom. So every time I pass it, I just attempt them. Like, just do it. Like, just do it while you're driving by, like whatever. Um, I also have them like dance before their pull up. It sounds super wild, but it's, it's fun for the, the women. They love it. The guys are like, what are we doing? But like, seriously do it. <laughs> like just, I have them dance around and like wave their hands in the air for like a minute and like listen to some music and just kind of get out of their head and then attempt it. A lot of them get it because they're not thinking about it. <laughs> it's uh, that's pretty actually, wild. That's a super good tip. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. just to get out of your own head. Mm, interesting. I just like get that out of your own way. I mean, it works with like even when you're working, right? You're working and you're tired. You're like, oh, get up, dance for a minute, and then get back, and you'll be like, oh, new person. <laughs> and that would translate across across like all lifts, and and really like outside of yeah. life, outside of the gym as well. I mean, it's a yeah. regular life, right? If you're getting too psyched up about you're trying to hit a deadlift or something, and you're just like you're thinking about, oh, what if I fail? What if I fail? Like, oh, just forget it, and then just step up to the bar, pick it up, and that's it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. What, one thing that I say a lot to clients who kind of tend to overthink things is, you know, you have to know the mechanics of the of the exercise. Okay, this are these are all the steps of the pull ups. This is all the thing. These are the steps to set up your body for a deadlift. But at some point, you just got to shut all that off and just pick the bar up off the ground. Like the brain has to go away. Just get in your position. You know how to do it. And just shut up and pick the bar up and don't ask any questions. Just do it. Exactly. <laughs> 
something that you and I discussed this weekend, just kind of switching gears here, but building off of the of the uh, you know the energy of the of the day. You've recently started using the Aura Ring, which I also have been using for for a long time. Yes. And and <laughs> and um, I just lost my train of thought there. But oh, I was saying, so the Aura Ring tracks your your readiness for the day. And for people who don't know, it's an activity and sleep tracker and all that kind of stuff. It gives you a score based on how you've recovered. And then that score can lead you into, or, or it will tell you whether you're like prepared for the next day, you should focus more on rest. It has a lot of implications for female menstrual cycle, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but how do you use that for yourself with your own training? Do you really use it to moderate your training? Or do you find that it's sometimes a bit of a crutch where if your readiness score is a little lower, but you have a session scheduled that day, it's like, mm, I got to get this in, even though I'm not really having a good day, quote unquote, how do you use it for yourself to moderate your own training? Yeah, I think it allows me to like kind of set my expectation too. So I'm not feeling really well. My aura ring is like, you're probably not, you're not, feel, you're definitely not feeling really well. Um, that allows me to go in and be like, okay, maybe I'm still going to show up and do my workout, but knowing it may not be like a PR day and like, that's okay. It doesn't need to be like a PR exciting, crazy day. Or maybe it's like, okay, you're really low and like, you really just need to take the entire day off because I feel like sometimes people are like, you know, the macho, we like just push through it. But sometimes they're like, if my score is like ridiculously low and like in the red and it's telling me to rest, I'm going to benefit way more from resting than I am going to be from hopping in and trying to tear my muscles and do more of these things. So even after we came back from this trip, like tonight, I'm supposed to go ninja train, but I'm like, my body is just still not ready. Like it doesn't, the traveling, it really wore it down. Is it really safe for me to go do that right now when my body is not feeling great? I mean, obviously, again, you're, sometimes you're not going to be 100% and you still need to go at certain things, but it's like it benefits me more to rest and not go than it would be to go and get injured and have an issue or things along those lines. So I've definitely been using it. And again, it's more of like a reminder and looking at it and being like, like validation. Like, it's okay. Like, if you feel like shit today and you're not PR and fine. There's days where I go on and I'm like, I feel like I'm crushing it. I look at my R ring. It's like you're running a score was super high. You got great sleep. And I'm like, oh, cool. This like makes a lot of sense. So I'm just kind of just more. It's kind of like when you do intuitive eating, it's like intuitive, like working out. <laughs> and that's what I found with it now that I've had it for like several years where I pretty well know what the score is going to be roughly from having it for, for so long. So yeah, I still get a lot of value out of it and all that stuff. But I, I know that like, okay, today's not a day to like, today's a day to not go to the gym or today's a day to go in and just kind of like maybe just do a little cardio or do like some light stuff, not push anything, work at like a, you know, five out of 10 RPE kind of thing. And then the days where it's like, okay, it's a 90 today. Like I, it's time to go. Like it's go time. Cause you don't get, <laughs> you don't get too many of those days. And so when you get them, you gotta, you gotta go with it, especially in a sport like yours where the competition is so, so soon for, for one, but injuries are such a big thing. Like what a shame it would be for you to force yourself to go into the gym tonight and like give your max effort just to get injured about a month out from the event. Like that, that's the only thing worse than, than like not than skipping the gym is not being able to continue to work out because you're injured from doing something that was very silly and non unnecessary. No one ever got super strong from one workout. You didn't get super weak from one workout either. So you just got to kind of listen to your body and, uh, and, and roll with the punches that way. I think on the competition side yeah. though, like if you wake up on Ninja day and whatever the Friday or whatever day it is that, uh, you know, and the score is low, it's like, well, today's a competition. Like I got to push through anyways. Right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But again, what I think what's really good about the aura ring, though, it can teach you ways in order to make sure that you are peaking on that day. So it's like, okay, what things are really benefiting me? It's like making sure I get quality sleep, making sure I'm getting enough protein, right? I mean, this weekend was tough because like 
we weren't probably eating as much as we normally do. And I was probably eating a little bit differently. And then we were in the car and like all sorts of stuff. So it's like, that's like not in my control, but coming up to the competition, I can make things really much in my control, right? I can make sure I'm getting those sleeps and that recovery so that when I do go and I come in there, just like any athlete, like you want to peak on that week. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, maybe I'm sick and then the, the ring says that. So I still have to push through, but you can do whatever you can and learn from this and learn what your body personally needs in order to make sure that you are going to go there with peak performance. You're obviously healthy and involved in all these things before having the the ring. So have there been any major lifestyle changes that you've made since getting it, since you having all this data to back things up? Or has it been more just like awareness and a little bit cool and maybe some small things here and there? Or have you made so have you made any big changes at all? Awareness, definitely. Um, sleep has been major because I like I was living in New York City back in the day and like I never slept and I'm like didn't realize how important it was. Um, so definitely making sure that I'm like really on top of making sure I can I can sleep better. Um, and then like we had said before, I linked it to the natural cycles, um, which is great. I actually was on hormonal birth control since I was 18 and I didn't get off till like five months ago. So I wasn't used to like any of these. Like I wasn't getting my period. So like I had no emotional stuff. I didn't know what was like, nothing was really happening. So now this is, it allows me to see even more. I look at it to see if, again, if I'm feeling a certain way, it does my temperature every day. So I know where I am in my cycle. Um, and a lot of times that allows you to understand again, more deeply, like where you might be at with training or if you're, why you're not feeling good in a certain way and stuff like that. So I feel like that's definitely been really helpful is having the, um, the cycle on here. That's like my biggest thing with this, honestly, it's sleep in the cycle. Yeah. And that's, and that's like, you know, we were talking about this the other, the other day, but that's new in the newest, uh, version of it. And I think that that's obviously it's not applicable to me, but, but, uh, yeah. for, for all women, it is super applicable and something that, you know, I, I don't know a ton about obviously, cause I have no personal experience again, but you know, you wake up and you feel like off and it might not even be bad. It might just be like off and you're wondering why and you're not sure, but having these metrics again, just to validate, okay, why am I feeling this way? And then therefore, how should I change my training to accommodate that? Is that, do you change your training or do you, do you plan your training around your cycle at all? Or do you kind of just do it on a day by day? Again, I just think it's really good to have awareness and understand like what, I, but I don't do like cycle sync training. I know a lot of people are like really into that right now, but there are some times where I'm like at a certain point where actually I feel really freaking good. So I'm going to not train because they told me like that, that time. So I think you still need to be pretty intuitive about it, being educated about it and knowing like this is what it might look like. Great. Do I think it's like, you have to do it like this? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I found the same experience with a lot of my female clients as well. Some of them really do struggle with it and like we have to track it and like adjust the training like on purpose to be in accordance with their cycle and it like it works really great for them. And then some it's like it doesn't really seem to affect their training or injury or energy all that much. And so if like there's a day that they're just not having a great day, then fine, we adjust it that day, but we don't have to preemptively do it. So I think with a lot of things, you know, we have to know the information and generally be aware, but don't create a self-fulfilling prophecy of good or bad things. Just understand what could be happening and then apply that to the context of your own life and, and then just go from there and roll with it. Agreed. Ultimately, you need to figure out how you're feeling that day to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. What a concept. And don't let other people tell you how you're feeling or, or what you should be. Or yeah. You should like be doing, you're, right? you're supposed to feel like this. Like, no, I don't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, with the travel, one kind of one last little 
topic that I want to get mm-hmm. to before we start to, to wrap up here. So we traveled over the weekend, you travel and stuff for work. Do you have like a, a set in stone strategy of any, t- of any type for your nutrition while being away? Obviously, again, this weekend wasn't like a perfect weekend of eating. I don't think we, any of us ate so terribly, but it wasn't perfect and sleep wasn't perfect and all that stuff. So how do you go about organizing your training and your nutrition while traveling? And then what's your strategy for getting back on track when you're home? Yeah, I mean, this this weekend was really tough with any kind of traveling, honestly. Um, I, I just kind of like, I don't really plan too much, honestly. Like, I make sure my sleep routines are the same and like certain supplements that I take are the same and I try and drink enough water. But for me, uh, while we were away, I don't know, I tend to eat less, honestly, because I just think that I'm running around as like more. So I feel like I'm like a little bit more down. Um, I don't think I have like the best like travels, didn't have the best travel situation to like figure that all out. Um if I would have had more time with everything, I probably would have made sure I just like had a protein shake with me no matter what, just to get like some kind of nutrients into my body, um, just to kind of have it. But I think the biggest piece of like when you're traveling and stuff like that is to know that like it's not going to be perfect and like you could plan it all and it still goes out the window and that's okay because it's good for you to be like on your routine and then kind of get off the routine a little bit. It's like, it's, it's nice to have a little bit break. And I think that if you put too much pressure while you're away to try and stay on it, you're going to really stress yourself out even more. So just being aware that it's probably going to be different. That's okay. Maybe it's not perfect. That's okay. And then when you come back, I think giving yourself that little bit of time to come back to it. Cause I definitely felt like I was like really excited to get back into my stream when I got back, but it wasn't perfect still because I was still like recovering. So I think just being a lot more gentle with yourself is really important with anything that you're doing. And if again, like you were saying, if you're too strict with everything, it's like not going to be fun. And like the whole point that we're here is to have fun, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I think about this weekend, if I had tried to plan out every single one of my meals and my, like my macros need to be perfect and everything needs to be perfect, it would have actually just taken away from, from the weekend and from, and you know, we were there for a purpose, but if I was just traveling for fun, it would have taken away even more being so consumed by like trying to be perfect in an unperfect environment would be, would be so like, just, just not great. You try and make good decisions as best you can while you're while you're there, you try not to have too much dessert, too many drinks, too many, you know, whatever. But then it's just like, okay, well, when you get back, then you just get back on track. And similar to you, my sleep schedule hasn't recovered just yet. Like maybe in a couple of days, I'll kind of get back to it and be, and be feeling good. But I think the important thing to highlight from what you said is really just giving yourself that grace to understand that, Hey, it's not going to be perfect, but that's also okay. You don't have to travel on vacation. You don't have to eat or you don't have to, you should travel on vacation. You don't have to (laughs) train on vacation. You don't have to, uh, you know, be eating perfectly on vacation. You know, one weekend is not going to one week, one weekend is not going to make or break anything. So just do your thing, like enjoy yourself and then try to get back on track when you, when you can. And that's it. As long as you don't quit totally you can't really fail i remember back in my fitness competition days i always tell people the story i loved october because i love pumpkin spice everything i guess it's super basic of me but i love it i love the pumpkin <laughs> muffins from dunkin donuts are my favorite and i remember just being like you can't have that so i was like craving them and i remember like the one day i was like fuck it i need like i need that muffin like i just <laughs> needed it so i had the muffin and i remember waking up the next day and like freaking out and then being like i look exactly the same like everything's fine. <laughs> like there's no problem. And I feel so much better that I had the muffin. It was delicious, you know? So it's like, then I, the, after that moment, I was like, all right. Like, I mean, I mean, like, again, you have to have, you, you know, be on point with your stuff, but it's like, enjoy yourself. Have the cookie every day if you need to. You got to enjoy the foods. 
yeah, that's the thing, right? It's like you have to enjoy yourself and just like live your life because you would be more stressed and like everything would end up being worse if you were just constantly thinking about having that muffin versus you just have it and you're like, okay, that's over with. Now I can just like wash my hands of that and, and get back to it. There's obviously a limit to that. You can't just be like, oh, well, I feel like the muffin. And then two hours later, like, oh, I feel like a muffin. And then two hours later, oh, I feel like another muffin and do that every single day. Like that's probably not going to get you where you want to go. But, uh, you know, you do have to be able to just live your life and then realize that, hey, everything's okay. Love it. Everything's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Angela, I know we're, we're really tight on time. So um, let's, I, we can keep going. There's a lot more things to, to get to, but I think that we actually did a good job of giving some very tactical things for people to take away from this episode. So, uh, so I want to thank you for that. Um, where can people contact you, find your stuff? What's all your contact info? I will put it all in the show notes, but what's the best place that you want people to Yeah. Find? So uh, Instagram is where I hang out and I, people always like, are like, Oh, is it really you? I'm like, who else would it be? It's me. <laughs> um, uh, it's at Angela underscore Gargano. So you can message me on there anytime, any questions you have on pull-ups or anything that might've come up on the show that you wanted to chat about. And then if you want to, you know, discover more, any, any of the stuff that I have with pull-ups and stuff like that, we put it on www.angela-gargano-strong. If you go on there, there's a bunch of different resources and things that you can use in order to help you wherever you're at in your journey. Amazing. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes for everyone to find. Angela, is there any last message that you want to leave the people with here in closing? Um, I, I always feel like the the biggest quote that has really helped me is, and it's not a matter if it's going to happen, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. So just really helping you be patient on your journey and know that things aren't going to happen tomorrow. But if you show up every single day and you're consistent with whatever it is, fitness or whatever goal you have, it's going to happen. You just have to keep going. It's a beautiful message. I love that. What a great way to end off. Angela, thank you so much for, for coming on today and for sharing with us. I appreciate you very much. Everybody uh, follow Angela on social media. I'll put the links to all of her programs in and everything in the show notes. If you want to get your first pull-up, Angela is the place to go. <laughs> I got you. To to. Angela is not a place. Angela is a person. <laughs> Angela is <real. laughs> um, Share this podcast with a friend and, and someone who wants to get pull-ups with you. Uh, give me a follow on Instagram as well at Daniel Yoris. Like, share, subscribe, all those things. Go outside, be a good person. We'll chat soon.